I am your host, Jonathan Humphreys. Welcome to the Hokuso Conversation Part 2. These are unfiltered conversations with people sharing their life journeys and learnings to help us become better versions of ourselves. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to Mark Hardy, MBE. Mark is a long-term friend, a leadership coach on performance and author of Think Like a Marine, Anticipate, Adapt and Achieve. For his full bio, please see the link in the notes and also listen to our previous episodes together. Today's conversation is about habits. It is our second episode on habits. And in the last episode, we challenged each other to start new habits in November 2021. And today we will be looking at our progress, our mindset, balance, why we build habits, the impact in other areas of our lives, and the link to purpose, identity, and creating space so that we can develop ourselves further. Thank you very much for listening to today's conversation. It's an absolute pleasure to have my good friend Mark Hardy here today. Uh, We're going to be discussing the next uh, sequence of habits. Uh, This is part two of our two-part podcast on habits. What we're going to start with is we're going to talk about balance. We're going to look at why balance is important when we are establishing habits and how we can integrate habits into our lives. So Mark, I'm just going to ask you, what do you mean by balance and why is it important? So we kind of finished the last conversation back in November yes, with an agreement to start a new habit over the course of the darkest period of the winter, which I think we both did. And mm-hmm. I think if we try and relate balance to that experience, so from starting something and all the things around learning about that process of doing the thing every day that we decided to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I know yours was immersion in freezing cold yeah. Swiss yeah. lakes, that was... which, and mine wasn't. So <laughs> my habit was not to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we had an agreement to start something new, which we've both done, right? So I guess just for the audience, I decided to take up the challenge of cold water swimming in November. And now I'm on close to 70 swims in de- still decreasing temperatures. But it's not every morning. I would like to do it as often as I possibly can. Um, I feel it's part of who I am today. At the same time, I don't get stressed if I can't do it for whatever reason, which I think is important. However, I really look forward to it and I enjoy the experience of doing it, which I think is also important. For the audience, Mark, maybe mention which your habit was and how it's carried on. Yeah, so I, I decided to run five days a week without fail, Monday to Friday, whatever the weather, and then do a longer run on a Sunday, but that's with a friend. But the the five days a week was for a combination of things. One was for me. One was because um, I have a dog and it's really good for the dog to get out and get exercise every day. So I just picked the same route, four miles. So pretty dull, but pretty consistent of whatever the weather, getting up in the cold and the rain, sometimes in the dark um, or ideally sunrise, but it was still dark as the nights got longer and then going back to balance. So from that experience, so we decided to do this thing 
we challenged people who were listening to start something new around the 21st of December because that's the darkest, most miserable part of the year for Jonathan, especially, but for Sorry. for quite a lot of people, that's when the uh, that's the winter solstice where the the nights are the longest, and historically, that's kind of been the darkest, most challenging time of the year for a lot of people. Hence, all the celebrations and hence um, going together. For me, it became at the start doing it every day. There was some psychological impacts and there were some physical impacts i wasn't trying to do anything in any particular time but it was important to get it done so it became the scene of i'm going out whatever the weather this is what i do so it became part of a i run five days a week and when i had work on i'd get up early and run early so i got the run in so that was sometimes starting off in the dark in order to have got it done just after sunrise to get the kids out of bed to get the kids to school to get up to london or wherever i was working that day and in terms of balance there are times when it was a it became a chore, if that makes sense. It became a, just a bit a bit annoying. Sometimes it was the last thing I wanted to do. Frequently, the last thing I wanted to do was just like not. But I did it anyway. So that was the interesting bit of having that conversation of, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. But what we did talk about was the finding the balance of going, if I'm going to do this thing, then I need to make it as easy as possible to do the thing beforehand. And for me, over the winter, that meant, getting an extra pair of trainers because they were soaking wet. I learned very early on that wet trainers in the morning are not fun to put on. It um, doesn't matter how long we've been in a drying room, they were still soaking wet. So I had to get another pair of trainers, so I at least had a dry pair. But also bad weather, additional layers of clothing, a very muddy dog, muddy ankle-deep fields that are just not fun to run through, wind and rain and all the cold stuff. None of which cared about me, but they were all part of the process of just, this is the thing I do and I'm going to do it. Um, ideally, I've reached a point now where it should be getting easier because the days are getting longer and it's getting warmer. So doing developing the habit during the hardest part of the year yeah. means that I can look forward to doing it. Yeah. Theoretically, at least, it should get easier, I would hope. But um, I go back to that wasn't the same as going into three degrees water. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think it's irrespective of what the habit is when you're trying to build it, it's still hard. And I think it's also about making it as easy as possible to achieve. And I did the same. You know, to, I'm very lucky, very fortunate. The lake is very nearby. It's a, literally a 10 minute drive. So it's accessible. I also did what uh, you mentioned as well, which is I upped my kit just to make things achievable in any kind of condition. So I have a poncho, I have extra different types of mats, whether it's dry or wet, to be able to stand on. You know, I have very thick boots. I've got many layers. For example, I just came back from holiday recently, first holiday in over a couple of years from a very nice place, Antalya, uh, where the sea was warmer. I got back the first day back it was the remnants of the storm that's kind of swept across Europe. We had the tail end and it was a storm warning on the lake, pouring with rain. It was dark, 6.30 in the morning. And I had two options. Do I go or do I not go? And I just said, no, I'm going. Yeah. We don't have tides and it's not dangerous. It's just choppy and windy and, you know, lashing with rain. I'm getting, I'm as wet, getting undressed to get in. I would be actually swimming anyway but the fact is it was really important I still go for the the, the fact that it just 
reinforces the point irrespective of whatever the situation is to still do it yeah and we talked about resistance last time and that that might be a psychological resistance but that idea of when you do something through resistance when there is resistance on the thing whether it let's say it's lifting weights or carrying a backpack which adds weight to you walking therefore there is more resistance on your push from the foot there's a huge benefit to working through resistance if you want to get stronger you lift weights and the weights adds resistance and therefore you get stronger it's, it just keeps going around and around if it's bad weather and you go for a run it's resistance you get through that resistance then you're out but then actually if it's muddy and slippy and windy and rain then that, that's more resistance that's more kind of actually getting a grip getting a good it's not just this going out for a run it's a lovely comfortable settle into your pace hit that pace all the way around when you're running cross country or trail running like I've, i do it's you know there's a hill that the slowest part of the run is going down a hill not up one because it's just so slippy there's no way i could run down it without being coming a cropper so resistance i think is really important and to keep on that kind of idea of resistance of and balance it's this idea of kind of like learning a habit or, or applying a good habit is like walking a tightrope you've decided to do this thing you start at one end of the rope the benefit of the habit might be at the other end of the rope and that might be a long way off and you can start the thing and start walking across and looking at the other end and seeing how far away it is and thinking I'm never going to make it or thinking, oh my goodness, this is a real challenge. You can look backwards and look back at the start of the rope and go, maybe I should just turn around and go back while it's still close. Or you just walk the rope and put one foot in front of the other. And likewise, you know, to string out the metaphor to its grisly end, it's, you know, you're also on a rope, so you're balancing. So it's that idea of you've got to just keep putting one foot in front of the other to balance. It is just not a simple process. And it takes attention and it takes intention you've got to set your intent and set your stall and also you've got to keep doing it and eventually the benefit of the habit appears because you put one foot in front of the other every day or over the course of that walk that might be a terrible metaphor that might not even make the edit who knows (laughs) (laughs) well i think it comes into you know why bother right yeah just being flippant about it i mean it sounds like we're just doing this because we just want to put ourselves under some kind of extreme situation it's not the case i mean i'm just trying to see if i can improve myself i do believe that these kind of habits they create a resilience an overall resilience to other events and other situations and i do believe that ultimately there is the opportunity to become better versions of ourselves through choosing which habits that we want to engage with I think that there is the opportunity here that ultimately the habits themselves, they define us and therefore they become part of who we are and therefore they link into essentially our identity, self, you know, our self-identity. But I guess if someone said to you, who is Mark Hardy, you'd probably say, I'm, well, I'm somebody who gets up and I run five times a week. It's part of who you are now. I would imagine we haven't got to the 90 day, which we said was the 
I think we're almost at the 90 day, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, that's right. We've just passed the 90 day, actually, end of Feb's. This is the 1st of March. So we've, we're just getting to that 90 day point, which is the reinforcement of habits. If we manage to get to the 90 day, which is normally the hardest for me, it's, this is the hardest bit because the water is actually getting colder still because of all the ice melt. We've had some good weather. So even though the air temperature is getting warmer, the, the water is still getting colder. And this is the psychological low point. From now on, it should be getting better. Therefore, we should, in theory, both of us should be able to keep these habits if we push through this point. There is a psychological element of pushing through or doing the thing. So the idea of of clearing your mind of all the clutter, because it's the clutter that stops you doing it in the first place. It's all the, whether it's negative self-talk, whether it's, oh, I haven't got time tomorrow, whether it's, oh, it's raining, it's dark, all that, that's all kind of just noise. When actually if the things we decided to do are quite simple things. We haven't decided to every day write a line of computer code. We're just doing physical things at the moment. But the principle is the same of do the thing. Clear your mind and do the thing. But also be curious and recognize when it's harder to do the thing because of what's going on, whether it's internally or externally. There's always noise and distractions and all those things. And it's easy to turn that noise into a reason not to and a reason to stop. And actually, you know, we're humans. We're designed to do these things. We're designed to run every day. We're designed to move and swim and do all these things. So I think it's a good thing to do as a starter to pick something physical within your ability and do it because it's just going to show you over that period of time there will be an impact. For you, probably there's a physiological impact from, from the Cold War immersions and a psychological impact of a kind of sense of pride and a sense of achievement, but also a thing of like going, you're one of those guys who gets in the water every day. Or if you can't get in the water, you'll do something similar. So I think the point we talked about last time was that the midpoint is the hard point, the U-shape of the 12 weeks or the 90 days, that 45 days in, when it's, for us, it was darker, colder, wetter, the middle of winter, and the distractions were Christmas, New Year, and other things going on. The traditional time of year of just, oh, I won't do it today because I've got a party tonight or I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. But just doing it anyway, just clearing through, just going, doing that thing. So, so why do we do it? Well, we're trying to learn and improve, we're trying to progress. At our age, we're trying to keep the brain growing or keep the brain developing as a muscle. So learning new things, trying new things, learning a language, learning a new physical skill is, I think, far harder the older you get, but not impossible. It comes down to the, I think, when you see a child learning something, they learn very quickly. The plasticity of a child's brain is, because the brain is developing and growing and it's just firing, it's the, a child's brain is designed to learn, it's growing, it's, it's just expanding all the time. But also they're in an environment where they're being taught and, and learning. The workplace is not always like that. So... It's that idea of why are we doing this in the first place? There's also this aspect of we need some kind of purpose. It has to tie in with something at our core that we want to be part of, we want to aspire to, we want to achieve, we want to represent. I feel that focusing on something that has an impact in terms of our identity versus the activity itself or the outcomes 
is pretty key. And for me, I find that this particular habit has additional benefits. I just feel a lot calmer, one. So there are unintended benefits to starting this habit that I now realize are starting to be part of who I am. One is that aspect of being calmer. The other is I seem to have lots more energy than before, more continuous energy throughout the day rather than peaks and troughs. And there are additional benefits such as I need to warm up. So I've started rowing as soon as I get back, which I haven't done for a very long time. In addition, it's triggered the opportunity to take up new habits. It seems to be easier to take up additional habits. So I also started handpan playing recently, Mark, <laughs> right? Yeah. which was unexpected. It's been something I wanted to do for a long time and I hadn't started, but you know, starting one habit I've noticed just triggers the ability to start another habit because you go, well, that was okay. When did you start doing the, the extra things? I would say it was the handpan started in January. So after this 45-day, so as soon as the lowest point was reached, then it felt like I had space again Yeah, to take up something in addition. Yeah. On the last podcast, we talked about my experience of commando training and that five-week point and getting people to the 10- or 12-week point. Yep. In the book, I talk about this idea of the stuff in that book. Yeah, just for reference, the book. The book. The book. The book. <laughs> to plug the book. We're plugging the book. And we decided to plug the book. Um, and we're going to make a habit of it. Is, But it was that point of actually, in the first 12 weeks, the stuff, the stuff that's being taught isn't that hard. Yeah. It's really basic stuff. What we've done over the last week is basic stuff. I mean, it, it's what makes it harder is the elements, the weather conditions, the temperature. Yeah all of which are outside of our control anyway. What is inside of our control is to get up and do the thing. But it's, and it's a very simple thing to do. So in that first 12 weeks, it's very basic stuff. And at the end of it, they're still, it's very basic. What they can do is very basic. Yeah. They can move around as a group. They can make their own beds, clean their own kit, all those things. But what we start to do towards the end of that 12 weeks is start to, now because we've got the foundation, now we can start to do the really hard stuff. Because in another 12 weeks' time, they're starting on their commando course, which is a really hard four, five-week period. Yeah. And that's not very long away at all. But with that foundation, then you can start to load the guys up because that 12 weeks has given them a couple of things. One is it's been difficult, but they've achieved. They've reached the end of it. It's been difficult, and they've achieved something. And there's a reward at the end of that 12 weeks, whether it's a few days leave or whether it's a change in the inspection regime or something else. There's a tangible reward. So it's really important at the end of your, whether you've done it or not, is at the end of the 12 weeks or whatever period you set yourself is to reward yourself when you've reached or done the thing for a set time in some shape or form, because that's good. But then the other bit is, well, as soon as you've started to not master, but as soon as you are comfortable with this new habit you're doing, then you start to go, well, I'll try something else. Because you've now got spare capacity because actually you've cleared your mind to an almost autopilot. So now it's just a thing you do without even thinking about yeah. it. Whereas in that first five weeks, 
took an awful lot of conscious mental effort to get out the door. Yeah, that's true. As soon as that conscious mental effort or resistance is gone, that's more space, that's more capacity to fill and do more. So you naturally go, well, I'll do more then. And you might decide to start something new. So adding the row, well, there's a benefit of the fact that, and we talked about this, if you were cold getting out, it's cold, really cold. You know, you're very cold getting out, it's cold. <laughs> we won't get into details of just how cold you were. <laughs> but, you know, you had to warm up. You had to get your cold temperature up. So rowing is part of that thing. <laughs> and then, you know, the hand pan is another another element of, I've got the capacity to do this. So now you swim and you row and you do your thing. And you're going to keep adding, undoubtedly, because, yep. because as they become habitual, you're going to get more capacity again. I remember, I think foolishly, I'm glad I did it, deciding to apply for an online master's back in 2008 whilst doing a very busy job that we've talked about in a previous podcast. Mm -hmm. So I signed up for this master's. That's a three-year master's online, thinking I'm going to have the capacity to do it. And, you know, within a week, I realized it's quite a big workload of reading and essays. Every week, there's an essay to write, either 3,000 words or 1,500-word essay. And I hadn't written an essay for 10, 12 years. So I'm on this steep learning curve that I remember felt like there wasn't enough hours in the day, and arguably there wasn't. And over that first year, the first term was awful. By the end of the first term, I was getting okay at writing the essays because the, the tutors were really good. And they were they were kind of re the marking, because it's a master's level program, it's very much like, you know, just answer the question and you become very good at answering the question and and nailing the reading and getting your kind of routines and habits of just reading the craft in the essay answering the question moving on to the next subject and it becomes this kind of repetition the second term's a bit easier the third term you know it becomes the actual skills required are almost are kind of there by the end of the first year the essay writing skills the speed reading skills the referencing the tutor to it's all there and so therefore the only challenge then was when work got busy or home got busy, then finding that balance, like we talked about, finding the balance of when can I do this thing and how long do I need to do it? By the end of the second year, it was, I knew I could write an essay on a Friday if I had to, to be handed in on a Sunday. I knew because I could touch type, which was another skill, I knew I could write a 3,000 word essay, how long it would take if I'd done the reading. If I hadn't done the reading, it takes longer. Funny old thing. So then it was this habit of doing that. Then by three years later, I complete the master's and I suddenly like, and I've got a one-year-old child. I'm still doing a busy job. And I've got a one-year-old child, which was another lesson in itself. That's another book that I finished my dissertation, graduate, and I've got so much spare capacity. I do not know what to do with myself because my days have been filled for three years and I suddenly find myself going, right. So then it becomes, okay, what next? What should I do now? What can I do next? And that's the great thing about anything, that lifelong learning bit of when you go through something challenging and you stick with it when it gets really hard, when you've achieved it, when you've completed all the different processes to, to get your master's degree or whatever it might be, when you've just put one foot in front of the other for three years and done that, what then at the end of it, you've got this capacity to do more and you start looking for more things to do. And that's, a, I think that's a combination of psychological thing, it's a physical thing, it's a cognitive thing, 
the capacity of your brain has increased or that your capacity for learning has increased and you suddenly become aware that there are other things you can do. Yeah, you know, life doesn't have to stop. Learning doesn't have to stop. Thank you for listening to the Hokuso Conversation. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do share us with your friends and community. Take a look at our previous episodes and look out for our next ones. We look forward to you joining us on this unique exploratory journey.